0: I'll be reading 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 and 17 through 20. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory.
1: And the whole church said, thank you, Garrett, for that reading. Uh, before we get started with the formal sermon, I, I have to tell you about a joy and crown that I, that I want to brag on a, a little bit. Um, we have been, uh, if you're not aware, uh, Kevin Hunter and I teach on Wednesday nights during the summer, the 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. We've been doing this for 10 plus, maybe this was the 11th summer that we did that. And what we do is we rotate through three different sets of curriculum. We talk about what is a worldview, what is really real, and understanding how when we see things the way God wants us to see them, that changes the way we look at things. We talk about a particular aspect of that in that we talk about the way that um, the creation story that God gives us in the Bible has a scientific uh, explanation, I guess would be the way to say it. It's called intelligent design. That when we look at creation, and and what's interesting is the closer you look at it, the more you see design involved in it and less about accidents and chaos and happenstance. And then the third set of curriculum we do is we've called it different things. We've called it sword fighting. We've called it, and this year we called it Bible arts. The idea of how do you become someone who deals, lets the Bible become something that you can uh, trust in how, that you know how to use, I guess would be the way to say it. So I want to invite somebody up with me real quick. I want to invite Aubrey up, Aubrey Eisenhart, up with me, if she wouldn't mind coming up. Um, part of uh, the idea of being able to, to let the Bible be a tool, come right on up here, come right on up here. Aren't you glad you dressed up today? And, and I just want you to notice... Her mask and her dress go together. I'm extremely impressed by this. (laughs) Um, We've been teaching this. This makes probably the fourth rotation through this curriculum. And that means that there are people in college now that went through this course. And every time we do it, because if you're going to be able to use the Word of God, you've got to store it up in your heart, okay? And um, I'm wondering if you can remember any of these. The Word of God, how does the Word of God taste? sweet that's exactly right I'm not going to try to ask her to do any more of those. but we talked about the fact the way the word and 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 Paul will talk about the armor of God and put on the armor of God and that when he gets down to and put on the sword of the spirit can you quote it for me which is the oh they're really bad at this aren't they the sword of the spirit which is the word of God yes okay and uh, so we had them memorize scripture all during the summer. Uh, not little short scriptures, but three and four verse chunks. And, and there was a special challenge in that they had to do it on Zoom a few times and things like that. And in fact, to get her last one in, she had to call in by FaceTime and, and, and be sure she got it in before the deadline. But what we promised is that if you memorized all your scriptures, that you would get something that you could remember that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and it is something that will be by your side for your whole life and never will betray you, and you can trust it to help you in anything you go through. And so this is yours, my dear. This is the first time I have ever awarded one of these to one of our summer students. So please say congratulations to Miss Aubrey. I did actually, you can go ahead and sit down. One more round of applause for Aubrey. really proud of her. Um I, I did kind of wonder I've I've had those I've had those for two sets of classes waiting for somebody these really smart kids went through but they wouldn't get it done and and then this year we gather the class for the first time and I'm so excited I'm gonna show them this sword. I have a real one, a Roman Gladius, not a real one, a, a mock-up, but it's metal and all those kinds of things. And they all anytime I pull it out, it's you know, kind of thing like that. But um and, and I thought, this is going to be a great prize. And then I looked around, and it was all girls in the class. And I thought, ooh, I'm hoping this is still a great prize. So, Aubrey, thank you for being gracious about being excited about a sword. That was really uh, awesome. Uh, no, it is not for beating on your brother, just so you know. Uh, by the way, the older one or the younger one, it's not for beating on either one of them. So, and I think, actually, I'm holding it, and it's kind of breakable anyway. My joy and my crown. As we came to the end uh, end of the first verse of the song, Fairest Lord Jesus, a song you've heard all your life. Jesus is our joy and crown. Did you hear it in 1 Thessalonians? As Paul addresses the people of Thessalonica, the church there. He says, if there's anything that is our joy and our crown, our glory, our joy... It is you. There's an interesting way in which, and in fact, this this phrase, which is so powerful, uh, has inspired lots of different songs in reality. This phrase of my joy and my crown, which typically is applied to Jesus. And we can understand why. Amen? If, if there ever was someone that, that brought joy to us, if there ever was anyone that will allow us to wear a crown, it is Jesus. But Paul here in Thessalonians, in Thessalonians, and then again, and we will look at this verse a little bit today and more next week, uh, from Philippians chapter 4. Paul talks about the people in these two churches with this unique phrase. In fact, so unique, he doesn't use it for any of his other churches. It doesn't seem to be a phrase used by anybody else. My joy and my crown. And I just want to tie the pieces together for you very quickly here. Because I think we recognize that Jesus is our joy and crown. This is not something we have to be convinced of. This is not something that we need to argue about. If there is joy in following Christ, it is because of what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? And if there is a crown of glory that waits for us, it is because, not because we are good enough. Not because God's going to look at us all by ourselves and, oh, yeah, you did this and you did that and you did this other and you were so good and so noble and all those things that, yes, you deserve a crown. He will say, Jesus' blood is on you. And you followed in his footsteps. You failed a lot. But Jesus overcomes our failure and, and therefore you have a crown. It is Christ. It is Christ. But I just want to flip it very quickly because the way the New Testament talks about the crucifixion and the way the New Testament talks about the resurrection, we recognize Paul will even say that Jesus, for joy, endured the cross for us. And if there is any picture that it seems each of the gospel writers, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are writing as they tell The stories of the crucifixion. They are crowning Jesus through that process. That is his inauguration to become king. It is his death on the cross which is then fulfilled by his resurrection. Jesus wants to endure because there's so much joy on the other side of the endurance. And Jesus recognizes To become the king of kings that he was born to be, it will only be through the process of the cross. And now Paul takes that idea, that concept, which is going to be filled up so much more after he wrote this letter in the the things that the gospel writers put on page and the way they draw the picture of Jesus going to the cross. He says to the people in Thessalonica, and again, he will say to the people in Philippians, in Philippi, You are. You are my joy and my crown. Now, I can draw the picture that I want to be one of Paul's objects of joy and crown. I am a Gentile, period, innocent, stop. Stop. And if it weren't for the ministry of Paul and his perseverance to make sure that the gospel was proclaimed to the Gentiles, I would not be here today. I don't want to say that too emphatically because I think God would have gotten it done somehow or another because that was his purpose. But I can point back to Paul and say, here's the one who blazed the trail. And we say, Amen. But see, it isn't just that Paul can say, I am his joy and crown or that I want to strive for that. It is that I want to be someone that Jesus looks at and says, My joy. You made the cross worth the agony. My crown. The one on whom I want to reign with me through all eternity. And so Paul says, You're my joy, my glory, my crown. But I think Jesus wants to say to each of us, my joy and my crown. And let's just step back one step further. I want to be that joy and crown. Can you say amen to that with me, church? We're just going to pick up some pieces of scripture. And I think it points to the kind of faith that says, I want to be joy and crown. And what is it going to take to be Jesus' joy and crown? First, let's read some verses around uh, what Garrett read to us from 1 Thessalonians. Starting in chapter 2. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your fellow citizens the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. And you have to ask a question. What are we talking about here? I think twofold is going on here. One is... The idea that when people became Christians in Judea, they were rejected by their family. And family was your connection to wealth and inheritance and a job and everything else. You may see yourselves in this society. We we all kind of want to launch our kids off into their own thing. Don't follow in the family business. i told my kids that over and over again. And what have they done? They're just followed right into this ministry thing. But you want to launch your kids into whatever they're great at. At this time, you didn't launch your kids into what they're great at. You launched your kids to take over the family business, to inherit the family household and lands. And when they became Christians, they gave all that up. There's probably a second layer of this, which is the idea that not only did Christians... Uh, were persecuted by the Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But they were also oftentimes persecuted by Jews who came to know Christ but who wanted to say, no, 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 to follow Christ you have to become a Jew. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow the traditions. And if they opened their life up, and by the way, this is particularly important, if they opened their lives up to be in fellowship with the Gentiles that were around them, They were subject to persecution, not only from the Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they were under persecution from Christians. Paul will experience that persecution. You suffered from your fellow citizens the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. Skipping down to chapter 3 in 1 Thessalonians, which follows right after what Garrett read. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be... Left by ourselves, Paul uses that royal plural, to be left by myself in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these, say it with me, trials. You have something in common with the Jewish Christians. The, the Christians that are in Judea, and you are experiencing your own set of trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them, he continues. We are, it's not that we accidentally run into them, and it's not just kind of, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. I'm sure God didn't want that to happen. No, no, no. When trials come, we are destined for them, is the word that he uses. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out and it turned out that way, as you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to, sent out to find out about your faith. Paul says, "I have to know. Have you held on to the joy that I gave you in the gospel? Have you held on to the, the, the power of the inheritance of the crown? of the cross of Christ? Are you persevering through the trial, through the persecution, through the struggles that have come upon you? So now we're going to jump to Philippians chapter 4, again the other place that joy and crown shows up. This scripture has some powerful words that my guess is all of you are familiar with particularly at the beginning and the end of this passage. I'm going to jump a little bit. Verse 4, you've heard this before. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Say it with me. Come on, church. Rejoice. Rejoice. And we say, yes, 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 I love this rejoicing stuff. This is great. And then we skip down to verse 12, and we start to read about what's going on in Philippi. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul refers to the rejoicing coming whether we are in times of of celebration and times when everything is kind of cooking along in our direction or we rejoice even when the struggles come and the trials come and the difficulties come. And then this statement, how many of you have put this down as kind of a favorite verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, And I will tell you... I've seen it on lots of letter jackets. I don't know if anybody's seen that. It's kind of a Christian letter jacket thing. Um, And and I think to a certain extent there's this idea that I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can score a touchdown even though I'm one against 11 because Christ will strengthen me. I can be the best debate competitor in the state because I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Have you ever heard it used in those kind of terms? Talon would never do that. It won't go on your... (laughs) Paul says, I can do all things. It isn't about everything going my way. It isn't about all things are kind of going to... I'm going to be just fine. I'm never going to have any struggle or difficulty. All things. I can do all things. I'm going to be successful in everything that I do. Paul says... I can do all things. I can endure every trial. I can face every persecution. I will not quit because of Christ who strengthens me. Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't quote Jesus in this process. You can do that in a lot of places. But I'm going to pick Matthew chapter 5. You know, Matthew, the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, you'll forget, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes conclude, blessed are those who, and then it transitions to this phrase, which I think makes it a bit of a summary for all the Beatitudes. Not blessed are those who, but blessed are you. When people make fun of you, And hurt you because of me. You're also blessed. As if you hadn't got enough blessings from being insulted. And made fun of. You're also blessed. When they tell all kinds of evil lies about you. Because of me. And it is in that place. That Jesus says rejoice. Be joyful and glad. Your reward in heaven is great. Because in the same way, people hurt the prophets who lived long ago. And what Jesus doesn't say, but is implied in it as we read it today. As they did me on the cross. Join with me in the joy during the struggle. I want to affirm that to experience the joy of the Lord... And to be God's joy and crown, we must persevere in all things. There are very few underlying themes about what faith is going to be about than it is the idea that it isn't going to be about just being faithful when things go your way. One of the earliest, oldest documents that we have of the original pieces of the Old Testament is the book of Job. About, it was about a person who, who thought real hard about quitting, if you've read the book. But he says, I'm not going to. And it is God who says, see, even though, in fact, the argument is, is Job's just faithful because you're good to him. And then, God, then Job says, no, I'm going to be faithful, even in the face of loss and struggle and persecution and difficulty. And we are called to follow in that model. To be the joy of the Lord. To receive the crown of life. It is going to take persevering. And yes, it would be wonderful if that perseverance was simply as things just unfolded in front of us. I'm praying about it, God, and it's all going to be good. That is not the testimony of Scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to have... have great obstacles that are placed in our way. And sometimes they'll take that formal form of persecution where I'm doing something the way God wants me to do it and the world will run over me and leave me behind and ridicule me because I'm going to do it the way Jesus did. But so often it's just the fact that there will be struggles in life. And sometimes those struggles are more intensified because I want to face them faithfully and not conveniently. I'm being, struck, I'm being confronted with things in my own life right now that are causing me to think about the, the things that I, I thought about as a child and the way that I viewed the world as a child. It's causing me to have to rethink some of those things, and it's hard. And yet, I want to hold on to God through that process. In fact, I want to see how God in that struggle moves closer to the center of my life rather than being pushed out of the core of my life. We're going to be hearing more about that in upcoming weeks. So very quickly, if we're going to persevere in a way that can make us God's joy and crown, just four quick suggestions. Are you ready? Number one, don't Quit on the good you are doing. Somebody say amen. I am just overwhelmed by the good that I see so many people in this congregation involved in. I hear, I I talk to folks from our church and they say, yes, such and such has checked on me. Such and such has come and made sure that I was okay. And I'm just like, hallelujah. Nobody bragging about it, nothing going on. But I will promise you that I also hear from people, this is getting old. And God says, and yes, we're under some unique scenarios right now, some unique circumstances, but God says, don't quit doing the good that you are doing. Number two, don't let Satan convince you that your efforts for good aren't making a difference. Ooh, this is a favorite tool of Satan. Somebody say Amen. Satan loves, loves, loves to say, yeah, you're, you think you're doing any good and you're not at all. And nobody knows and nobody cares and it really isn't going to make any difference in the long run anyway. Parents, on about the 50th time that you have to tell your children... No, we're going to cooperate together. No, we're going to clean up our rooms. No, we're going to help with the dishes. No, we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us. And they just say, oh, mom, oh, dad. You think, is it doing any good? It's just so much fun when you have grandchildren and you watch your children trying to teach those same lessons to their children and you say, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? You're going to love your neighbor even when your neighbor doesn't love you back. You're going to say, is it doing any good? Are you going to do the right thing when it's harder to do the right thing? Even though it doesn't seem to bring you any reward or any accolades. Because Satan wants you to convince you that doing the right thing isn't doing any good or making any difference. So don't let Satan convince you of that. Third. Don't let the struggle become the focus. Paul had plenty of hardship in his life. And, and he will refer to it and say, you need to know that it was, it's been hard here and there. But the contrast is, all those struggles could become the focus, but my focus is preaching the gospel and, and being God's joy and crown and inviting you to join me in being God's joy and crown. And that's what drives his life. Folks, we're in the middle of it. And maybe the storm won't come this way, and maybe it won't be too hard, and maybe, you know, all those things. I haven't even contemplated what it's going to be like to come and clean up all your yards having to wear a mask. But you know what? We're going to do it. Because we're not going to let the struggle become the focus. We're going to let good works and loving others. Be the focus of our lives. Amen. Finally, I want you to ask the Spirit to let the Spirit help you see how good God is using all things for good. Danny Massey sent me a note this week because a member of this church said thank you to him directly for what he said in his interview last week and particularly emphasized the way he said. Something that's going to come out of this is going to be good. We don't know what it is. But we believe that something good is going to come. Even out of this difficult way that we're having to do school and we're getting started. I don't know what all it's going to be. But I want the Spirit to show me. Because my focus is not how terrible the struggle is. It is that God has given us an opportunity to experience a greater level of joy because we're just a little bit more in touch with the joy that Jesus experienced when he laid down his life on the cross. Amen and amen. So hear those, these words again as we prepare to take the supper. Jesus' words. Rejoice and be glad. Do you mind saying that with me? Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. It is my prayer that this week as you partake of the bread and of the cup and as you taste it, and I realize it's just a small taste and it, to be honest, may not be a pleasant taste but as it comes into you, may it be just this little reminder a little taste of the great reward that God has waiting for us in heaven. Let's sing together. He paid a debt he did did not
2: owe.
3: Prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. I want to read from Mark chapter 14. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day comes when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God." For those of you who are here, don't forget there are two tabs on the the sets here. Uh, first one gets to the bread, and then the harder one gets to the, the juice. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the joy and the crown that we have waiting for us and the joy and the crying that we get to celebrate here on this life now. Father, we thank you because it all comes from you. It comes because of what we're celebrating here now. It comes because of the sacrifice of Jesus and we give you thanks for that. Father, we know Jesus said, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And Lord, we we know he did not want to, but he did because it was for the greater good for your creation us and father we thank you for that sacrifice and we thank you that we have that hope of eternal life because of his sacrifice as we take this bread now we remember the body that was broken for us we thank you for that sacrifice and it's in jesus name we pray amen
1: when the hour came jesus and his apostles reclined at the table And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven.
3: Let's pray for the cup. Our Father God, we thank you again for this this cup that we're going to take. Lord, we remember the representation of the blood that was poured out. Father, we we just pray, Father, that you forgive us of our sins. Take away our sins so that we may be right in your eyes. Father, we do thank you for the, the covenant that was written through the blood of Jesus. And we do celebrate because of the hope that we have and the, the life that we get to live because of what he did for us. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: have some quick prayer updates that we need to make. And again, I want to point you to the Thursday update. Most of that is, is, there's much more information there about what we need to be praying about than what we're going to do here. Just a couple of updates. Uh, since we published that, we found out that, well, wanna, sorry before I do that, I want to wish a happy anniversary to James and Ethel Mills. I hope you'll all enjoy me in congratulating them on their anniversary. <laughs> I want to let you know that uh, Natalie Ammons fell and broke her arm, so we want to pray for Natalie as she's recovering from that. Uh, we also need to, uh, and, and the messages I'm getting from Joanne are of great thanksgiving, and I realize she still has a lot ahead of her, but Joanne Philo scans in her test, and when she got back to the doctor on Friday, he said that they indicate that the cancer has been completely contained in the mass that's in her spleen we're really thankful it hasn't spread at all and so she wants to say thank you for your prayers and we want to continue to pray for her as she moves on through that process she's still going to be uh, going through chemotherapy i believe starting next week we want to lift up sandra mullins who has a scan tomorrow uh, that will probably be an indication of how quickly they can do the heart valve surgery that she's needing she's having real trouble breathing at home and, uh, and she asked for your prayers. I know that Ronnie wants your prayers, that he can continue to take good care of her. We pray that that road will be opened up for you. Also, uh, name Quinn Britt, who's uh, Belinda Nesbitt let us know about. Quinn is uh, a father of a friend of hers who's in San Antonio and, un, and really struggling with COVID right now. So she asked that we would remember the name of Quinn Britt in our prayers. Finally. As you're praying, I want to ask that you would remember our life groups, our life group leaders, and particularly Mark Davis, as he is the ministry leader there, and plans are coming together for how we're going to do that. And we just want to ask you to be praying about our life groups coming up this fall. So engage in that as well. You uh, have heard the parable that Jesus told. one of his most famous parables, Luke chapter 8. It gets repeated in Matthew and Mark also. The, the parable of the crazy farmer who goes out and throws seed everywhere he runs into. Some lands on the path, some in the rocks, some in the weeds. I, I'm very familiar with this. This was my dad's sermon. Whenever we visited places, they said, Brother Richie, would you bring, bring a message for us? It was, it was the message of the seed. Jesus, in Luke 8, not only tells the parable, but he then gives the meaning. And sometimes we confuse the meaning. Somehow or another we think that the meaning is kind of saying, well, there are just people whose hearts are so hard that the word just bounces up and Satan picks it up and carries it away. And there are folks folks, uh, whose hearts are just so rocky and filled up with other things. I love the way Luke ends. Because you know the point is getting to the good soil. But the seed on the good soil stands for those... Of noble and good hearts. This is not the idea that you are self righteous somehow or another, but the idea that of noble integrity and that you pursue for God's good, integrity and pursuing for God's good, who hear the word, retain it, and then listen to that. It is in persevering, is it in never quitting that we produce that good fruit? You may have read that parable and said, oh, my heart is just so hard, I'm just one of those, and Satan's already taken it away. Or, or I, just, I just have so much that wants to choke out the good things that God wants to do. Or I, I have this love of money, or this, this lust that I have in my life. And it just these thorns that just keep, weeds that keep crowding things away. That's not the purpose of the message. The purpose is the message is to say, don't be hard-hearted. Don't let those things get in the way open your life up to the good that God wants to do, to having faithfulness and integrity with Him and never quitting on the gospel. If you need in some way the prayers of this congregation in the process of persevering through particular sin that you're facing, you need to confess, this this thing is holding me back and I want to put it behind me. I know that Jesus can, but I need your help to move forward with that. Or you just need prayers for encouragement, whatever it may be, I want you to respond. You're welcome to post those prayer requests on our Facebook page. There's a place for you to do that every week. But also, if, you, if it's something that you want to keep a little more just between me and you and the elders, then send a message to this text number, 979-217-3300. We'll get that message and we'll be praying for you. Or if you recognize that you can't do it by yourself and you need to join Jesus in the waters of baptism, let us know. We can help. And if this morning is the morning that you want to say something about that, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing. I want to know Christ
2: and the power of his rising. Yeah. Sharing in his suffering conform to his death when
4: Like we're getting a little rain here. I, I, my grass needed that. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, the love of God helps us to overcome the world. Amen. I'd just like to read First John, chapter five, verses three through four. This is the love. This is uh, is love for God to obey His commandments. And the commandments are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Just a couple of uh, things that uh, need to... uh, 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 cover uh, Loving BISD, uh, Brenda Tavery gave me a note saying that uh, uh, she is pleased with the gener- generous offering that has uh, been given to her for prepare for uh, breakfast or they already produced uh, the breakfast uh, for uh, Boydell ISD, uh, the school there. And uh, they provided tacos and fruit for the teachers there. Uh, also, the donations, that uh, overage, uh, they will uh, be used possibly for additional uh, meals that they may want to provide for the teachers. So just Brenda is thanking uh, everyone for, for their contribution. Uh, Donna, um, Marie, and Robin, uh, niece, uh, uh, Shana Holland, is on hospice due to cancer. Uh, she is not expected to make it much uh, uh, longer. Uh, please pray for her and her family. She has a two-year-old daughter, so we need to remember her in, in our prayers also. Uh, if you uh, haven't got a copy of the Karen sharing or if you look at it on the uh, Internet, uh, please uh, check it because there's a lot of changes, dates and times and things like that that are Uh, in the caring and sharing and so please uh, get a copy and uh, uh, look it over and uh, we uh, have made uh, getting ready to go back to uh, uh, bible classes and and things of that nature so it gives you the time that that's going to occur Uh, we again uh, thank you for the contribution your continued contribution for the the, the, uh, congregation uh, is a, if you like to con- contribute, there's a box at the back of the auditorium, so you just drop it in in there. I have uh, one more announcement that I need to make. I'm going to step down as one of your elders. Juan and I have made this decision through many prayers. I want to thank the congregation for selecting me as one of their elders. The members of have always been very supportive of all the elders. It has been a pleasure working with the congregation, the elders, the deacons, the ministers, the ministry leaders, and the staff. I know this congregation will continue to do good works and glorify God. I will still be here and plan on doing what I can to be supportive. If I can help any of you please let me know in any way. Again, I thank the congregation for your support. It has been a privilege and an honor to work with this congregation. I would like to say it's just happened that Roger, Frank, and I decided to step down uh, very close to one another. But I want to assure everyone that all is well with the eldership and the church. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We especially thank you for Jesus who came to this world to provide salvation for us. We have mentioned some of the ones that are sick. or Also, there's others that have lost loved ones. We ask for your guidance and your comfort for them. Just to mention a few of the ones that are on our list: Quinn, uh, Britt, Natalie Ammons, Hammons, uh, Bernice Skinner, Edna Allen, Tim Marlin, Sandra Mullins, April Lubigi, April Burton, Burton, uh, Billy Russell, uh, Joanne Philo. Mel Kinder and Shauna Holland. We ask your comfort that your healing hand be placed on these. We thank you for the ones that you have already healed and they have been with and we ask that you will continue to comfort them. We ask that you will bless the congregation, the members, the leadership, and the programs that they're involved in. We ask that you will bless our Country, uh, we ask that you will be with the ones that are, are about to endure various, uh, the storm that uh, is bearing down on our coastline. We pray that you will provide safety for them and we pr- provide that you will be with them if uh, there is destruction a- as a result of the storm. We ask that you'll be with them. We ask for uh, your COVID-19, uh, the people that have uh, experienced Uh, contacted that. We ask that you will be with them. We pray that you will keep others from this uh, epidemic safe and watch over them and and take care of them. We ask your blessings on the students. We ask as they prepare to uh, return to school. We pray that you will keep them safe and and help them to have a good year with all the things that uh, are going on uh, as far as the virus. We ask that you will be with our missionaries. We pray that you will be with those that are in assisted living. We pray that you will be with our military. And we pray that you will be with our college students as they return to uh, school. We ask that you will continue to watch over us. We pray for any forgiveness of our sins that we commit. Many times we do not realize it, and we ask for forgiveness of those. Father, we just thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Uh, I'm here speaking on behalf of the elders. Uh, we just want to say thank you so much to uh, Roger and Frank and to Bob. Um, it's kind of a new, unique situation that they all decide, and I don't think they were even planning on this. It just ended up happening. And I just look back and I remember when my dad decided to step down as an elder, he said it's, it was harder to step down than it was to even accept the the role of an elder. And... As you move forward, and you know they're wanting—I know Franklin a little bit more traveling and see family and stuff. Same for Bob and and Wanda and Roger and Beverly. You know they're gone all summer anyway. So, um, but as we move forward in the near future, we'll be uh, looking at adding some new elders. But it has truly been an honor, and I know the ones other elders who are here to that we've been able to serve with these three men. Um, I'll say this, our eldership is very unified. And the love that they show for each other is amazing. And the talent that they bring to the table, each one is very special in what they have. And, uh, you know, Roger with the assemblies and with the life groups, and Bob with our visitation, Frank with our physical properties, and overseeing each one of those uh, ministries and working with our deacons. Um, I just when you look at it, it does require a lot of time, and, um, and it just comes to a point in, in your life that um, some other things are more important. But at the time, you just realize that that shepherding role is something that either it's a calling or the church has seen something in you. And you three men, God sees something in you special. So I just want to say thank you for this church and for the eldership and for for our ministers for your service. Thank you very much.
1: Let's be standing for this song. Just an amen to what Randy's saying. It's been an honor to to serve with these guys. This this song, this last song is kind of upbeat. It's got a prayerful words to it. So listen to the words, but let's, let's keep it upbeat. We want to be excited. And we're going to trust in God and and let Him take the path for us. Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restore.
2: My heart is weary. Please help me, dear Lord. I stand. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desire to work in your fold. Light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grown cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubts and fears with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Amen. Go with God.